This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. Ladies and gentlemen, this is 2023. I'm sitting down with Pete the Heat, my co-host as always. And of course, we're looking for the MIA, Mr. D4, Dylan Fournier. Not available for the show tonight. Must be on the IR, going a bit too hard into the New Year's Eve celebrations, but that's okay. That is all right. Anyway, James, I'm, I, I had a big night last night. I'm hurt, and I still made the effort to show up today, so we're keeping it hot today. <laughs> keeping it hot, keeping it on fire. Speaking yes, of keeping it on fire, ladies and gentlemen, we are proudly brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Be sure to check out their puck off Lagerdale, the absolute big beer for the big game. No better than bringing in the big game with our friends at Boxing Rock. And speaking of the big game, big game last night against the Colorado Avalanche, the return of the injured Nathan McKinnon, and the Maple Leafs step up to the task, in my opinion. Get the job done, Pierre Ingvall, the bottom six guys. Looking good. That third line, by the way, really starting to click. Really starting to be something for the Maple Leafs. And for me, I think that's something they're going to need rolling through the playoffs, a little continuity. But correct me if I'm wrong, Pete. I've said all year long, Mr. David Kemp, whatever line he's on, they seem to boggle up the other team in the offensive zone and just grind down. It doesn't matter if it's a top line, bottom line. They go out there and they do their job. I'm wondering for you, you know, what do you see here? Do you see the Leafs still needing to move Kerfoot or Engvall or any of those guys in the bottom to add something? I'm thinking they're finally starting to hit their stride yet again this season. I just don't know what we need to add because – our third line looks fantastic. Our first two lines look great. Like what? Like I, I, I see the Ryan O'Reilly rumors out there, and I'm just like, is it realistic? Like I would love to see him playing next to Tavares and Marner, or whatever he wants to do, whatever Keith wants to do with those lines. I'm sure Matthews and Marner are going to get put back on the same line at some point, right? But I don't think so. You don't think so? I, I mean, like I, I think at one point it's going to happen, but. Um, I love the play of David Camp right now. He looks he looks phenomenal. Phenomenal. Jesus, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. Phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> the New Year's hangover, buddy. But uh, yeah, no, I really like David Camp. I have no idea if I'm Kyle Dubas right now. I know I look like him with these glasses, but uh, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Listen, I'm starting to subscribe to the the notion here, and you know, I want the big home run swing. I want the Timo Meyer, the Ryan O'Reilly the um, Bo Horvats of the world. I want one of those things rolling for this team. Pardon me, got to clear my throat. Hurting a little too, by the way. Um, I want one of those names, obviously, but I look at this team and I say, you know what? Maybe the smart play here is to get a B-level forward, like Clark said, and a B-level defenseman and add them to the mix. Now, if I'm saying B-level defenseman, it better be a 3-4 guy with some physicality. That's what the Leafs need. I don't need a Chikrin. I don't need another puck-moving defenseman. I need a guy who can lay a little bit of a boom and be a pain in the ass in front of the net and be able to have the hockey IQ of Jake Muzzin and move the puck. But for me, I will steady say this forever till they solve the issue. And Matthew Nyes... 
I was just about to bring him up. as the guy to fill the spot. He's not the guy to fill the spot. He, you, do you want to shell shock another guy like we did with Luke Shen or Nick Robertson? Let these guys come, get acclimated, get signed, be around the team, get their skates wet for crying out loud with the Maple Leafs before you put him on the second line and say he's going to be the savior of the second line. I think the Leafs need to add somebody on the second line to tune it up a little bit. And that's just my honest opinion. Cali Yarncroke is looking good right okay. now since he's come back. He's looking good. But does he stay that level? I don't know. What do you think? I, do you, does, do you I, have, is Cali Yarncroke the goddamn answer? I don't answer? think he can sustain it right now. I really don't. I mean, he's playing with Tavares and Marner, which obviously is going to it's going to improve your play. But I, I I agree with you. Like we need someone on that second line that's gonna ultimately make them better. For when that when playoffs come, I think yeah. Again, they need they need someone on that second line. And like Clark says here, a chicken a chicken. What does he say? Assets at a chicken or O'Reilly. Yeah, we definitely. I think giving away a first round pick this year would make sense. Um. Yeah. No. Listen. Again, I've been in the boat of the home run swing, but then listening to Elliot Friedman and looking to this lineup, maybe you go and add a B-level guy like a Travis Konechny with some term. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the play here. But for me, I think if you add a Ryan O'Reilly to this group, we talk about locker room impact. You talk about leadership. You talk about perseverance. You talk about a guy who can play physical, who can take a licking and keep on ticking and also is smart defensively, and money on the face-off dot, by the way, is Ryan O'Reilly. That is a guy that you add to this team that adds that pedigree, that adds that ability, and just shores up that top six. Also gives you another maybe down front, in front of the net weapon, instead of bunting on the five-man power play at the five forwards. You throw Ryan O'Reilly in front of the net and let him take all the lumps and block the, the eyes of the goaltender. You're not moving Ryan O'Reilly too much. No, no. Ryan O'Reilly would be – I would love to see him on this team, man. But, like, what do we really – what can we realistically give up for him? And then we'd have to have another team help retain his salary, right? Like, and then, like, we're, we'd have to get rid of, what, Kerfoot? Angle? Well, you don't – you know, not necessarily here. You don't have to get rid of Kerfoot. You can get creative. The Leafs did it when they brought in Fliggy, Right. They were able to do a double retain. They were able to maximize the amount of LTR cap space when Anderson stayed on the LTIR and nice. all those shady type moves. Because as it was said on this show, Anderson could have came back and played, no problem. But they kept him on the LTIR to make the moves they wanted to make. And, you know, the player wasn't fully healthy, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> but we all know that he could have definitely came. And it was said right here by David Alter, which was pretty freaking awesome to have that break here. But I look at this and say, look, the Maple Leafs will have to give up a good amount. You're talking a Nick Robertson. You're talking uh, Matthew Nyes. You're talking Toppy Nemela, uh, maybe Ronnie Hervin. And uh, you get into some of those names that can do some things. You know, you look at what they have in prospects. People say they don't have much. I disagree. They have a lot. They have another guy named Ty Voigt who's tearing up the OHL right now. Um, Frazier Minton is looking really good as well, uh, taking on a line of his own while his best line mate has now stepped off to the World Juniors. So these guys are 
doing well and excelling. So those are great trade chips for a team that may be looking to the future. So, but I'm looking here and I say, okay, we also have our first this year. We have our second next year. We have two thirds this year. So we have assets to move. Um, you know, you get another team to retain the other half of that salary and you flip them a third round pick from Ottawa, which is going to be an earlier pick in the third round. So you start flipping those things, right? I forgot about that third round pick from Ottawa, the Matt Murray trade. That's, Isn't that fantastic? That's an asset though, right? Yeah. Because that's going to be an earlier pick in the third round. And that is an asset that you can flip to another team with Ottawa being down towards the bottom dwellers. I know it's in the third round, but still a team that's just retaining salary towards the end of the salary, you know, to the end of the season, flipping them a third is gold. You know, no problem. They'll do that for you. So that part will figure itself out. It's just what does St. Louis want? You know they don't want to tear it all down and rebuild. But at the end of the day, if you're not making the playoffs, it's smart to get something for Ryan O'Reilly. And O'Reilly can go right back to St. Louis afterwards. Doug Waite used to do it every trade deadline. He'd get traded and the next season go back to the same team and get traded again. I didn't so, know that. You know, you walk and do those things. But I look at it right now and I say, okay, here's the package that I would offer. I would say, because he's only a rental strictly, I would flip Nick Robertson next year's second and Ottawa's third for Ryan O'Reilly. Now, it wouldn't probably be enough, but that would be what I would start with. I wouldn't immediately go to the first round pick. No, eh? I think you have to throw that in there. Oh, I think you're going to need the first round pick, but I wouldn't immediately go there. Right, right. But I think you would let St. Louis pick from what what prospect they want. But at the same time, I think they're going to want a roster kind of guy back in their lineup. And that may spell the end for Pierre Engvall or Kerfee, but I would try not to touch what you have. You want to add to it. Everybody's talking about, oh, trade Nylander, trade Riley, trade this guy, trade that guy. You're not trying to take away from what you have. You're trying to add to it. So you don't want to take away from what's already good. You want to add to what's already good. Oh, man, that'd be so much fun watching Ryan O'Reilly on that second line, man. You really got me hyped up for that. And I just, oh, that would be great. Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer is not as defensively astute. But at the same time, he brings the offensive prowess you need on that second line. But you go and start looking at what's available for defensemen. And the prices scare me right out of the boat, Pete. Luke Shen, Elliot Friedman saying, well, now he's going to be going for a first-round pick. Come on, no way. So Luke Shen is costing you a first. I feel like the market is messed up from last season with Tampa Bay and Florida making those ridiculous trades for the rentals. And now teams want a lot more for just these these utility players. Well, look, you go and you look at what, um, okay, for Chikrin, they want two first-round picks. A high first-round <laughs> asset, the high first-round draft pick asset, and then they also want a ready player. That's the starting point for Chikrin. That's crazy. Who's saying that? Is that, That's is that what crazy? Elliot Friedman just reported Even... on the 32 Thoughts podcast? Wow. And the way that Chikrin is playing, Chikrin is absolutely playing out of his goddamn mind. So he's only holding up his end of the bargain, like they said. So, yeah, Arizona has every right to hold to their guns and say, this guy came back from injury, you know, he's a point-per-game player as a defenseman. Oh, man, I think this trade deadline is going to be insane. I'm just thinking, what is Patrick Kane going to go for? Like, 
just the market is so crazy right now. The only way the market resets is if GMs decide not to pay and GMs start to panic on the other side of the phone towards the deadline and nobody's moved yet. Nobody's getting any assets for guys. And then they start doing it. But what happens is GMs that are in the hunt for the cup start spending like crazy drunk spenders on July 1st and say, yeah, Nick Foligno, first in prospects, let's go. <laughs> you know, when you start swinging and missing. Look, I I really think the Leafs do make adequate moves here and really shake something up. And I think it comes earlier. A lot of people saying don't do anything until towards February. No, for me, you need to get the guy you want in your lineup and start using him as a regular player as soon as possible because you want him acclimated to the team, to the dressing room, to the schedule, get his routine down, get his day-to-day together, get his family there, whatever needs to be done to make that guy feel comfortable for a long stretch because you want him to be dialed in for your team. You know, we saw how hard it was for Bogosian when he came to Toronto with the COVID mm-hmm. stuff, right? Couldn't see his family when he finally did. It was hard, yeah. you know, all those little things, right? So you want this guy here as quickly as possible. But, yeah, let's let's backtrack a little bit, though. The Maple Leafs got fined, Pete, and this I think is absolute horse crap. I get it wrote <laughs> into the freaking CBA. You, you saw but, Freeman's tweets, though. Um, no, I didn't see the tweets. I listened to what he said on the, the podcast. But, okay. Um, I think it's ridiculous that if a team and the players agree that there shouldn't be some wiggle room there. Playing devil's advocate here. What's that? Playing playing devil's advocate. Do we really know if every player really wants to travel that day? Like, I'm assuming they all agreed, but did they really? Like, I feel like you're just peer pressured at that point to just agree to go. But even so, they were an hour and a half off the what, what was it? It was so like they left at 10 30 boxing day, 10 30 p.m. boxing day. They were only allowed to travel at midnight on December 27th. Okay, so hang on. Here, let me let me back this up a little. Let me back up the truck. Okay. Sure. So if the players had to leave their homes to get to the airport to fly at 1201 when they were sure. allowed to, is the travel from home to the airport not considered part of the job? Is that not travel for the player? The player is traveling to the player. Yeah. yeah. Arriving to work. Really a tax write-off. Well, I'm just saying that does that not circumvent? Yeah, I mean, I would count that, yes. So for me, look, I look at it like this and say, when the general manager meetings happen, Elliot Friedman said it, and I fully agree, fully support it. I think that you should sit down with all the GMs and say, listen, if there is a problem with traveling, should there be allowed to be a just a vote? Not everybody has to be happy, but your team's allowed to vote if they want to travel or not. What would you rather have? And I know what I would rather have because I've done both of them. Would you rather travel the day of at 4 a.m., get up boot ass early, and then fly to where you have to be and do your morning skate and all that stuff? Or would you rather leave at 10.30, get there, at 11.30 because you gain the hour back because of the time travel. Yeah, fair. And then I, get a, get a good day, night. Man, I need my sleep. I hate getting wake up early. Up and do your thing. Because yeah. here's one story that happened. There was a team 
right this year on the 26th that traveled on the 27th. They got up at four in the morning, got to the plane only to find out there's no coffee. Oh, no. And that team got shellacked. So, what team, what team was that, James? I'm not going to put it in. <laughs> I'm That's not just gonna... confidential information. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but listen, I um, I really think you sit around with a board of general, general managers meeting and say, listen, this is one simple thing that you can do. Each team can take a vote. It doesn't have to be written in stone, black and white, crystal clear. All that needs to be done is you take a vote with the team. So the team captain stands up or the coach or whatever, no pressure. There's no pressure. There can be no pressure. Do you guys want to travel tonight or do you want to travel in the morning? I put my hand up for tonight, but majority wins and just do it fairly. That's what they did for the CBA. Or you could just not schedule the game for the 27th. I mean, we're generally watching the World Juniors at that time, so I'm not going to be upset if the Leafs don't play in that time frame. But, like, you don't need to make it – you don't need them to play on that day. So, I mean, you could just wait to the 28th, no? Uh, you could wait till the 28th. I mean, it's not that big of a problem. But I'm just saying, you know, in, in the grand scheme of what's happening right now, the Leafs getting fined $100,000, which – a lot That's of teams nothing. wanted wanted them to be fined a lot more. Apparently, a lot of teams really? were saying, find them more, find them more. They should be fined up. That's, my, that's my keep got the extra fine then probably. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Listen, the fine, whatever. The Leafs, you know what the Leafs did, and I agree with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on this one. They built a little bit of um, bonding, a little bit of uh, gratuity, whatever you want to call it with their players. They put some stock in themselves and showed the players that, hey, if the players really wanted to travel at 1030, because apparently they got there early, the players did. The players arrived early, so they took off early. They were going to wait till 1201. The players were like, we're here. We might as well go. Police said, screw it. We'll eat that $100,000. You guys get a good night's sleep. We'll see you in the morning. Just a scratch in the wallet for the Leafs. But but that little thing, that's a little thing where, hey, as a team, what can you do for me as a player other than pay me what I have on my contract, which everybody can do, mm-hmm. what are some of the other things you can do? Oh, you can eat these fines from the league and allow us to be more comfortable? Hell yes, let's go. It's like it paid off too, James. They won the game. They, they, they beat, beat St. Louis. They beat St. Louis. I love it. I love it. And, you know, when we talk to Cam Jansen tomorrow, I'm going to love talking to him about, oh, hey, yeah. the Leafs flew in right. early and beat you. How does that yeah. make you feel? <laughs> I can't wait to listen to that. Yeah, you really have to pick his brain on what he thinks about that. Well, I mean, it's going to be an unfair advantage conversation, right? Yeah, fair. You know, that's what they're going to say. But we look at that game, and I say, okay, Matt Murray again, not looking the sharpest. But got the W. Yeah. William Nylander, woo-wee, Willie Nylander. Loving it, OT. Loving it. Yes, that was a beautiful goal. Who was that on too? Who's the defenseman on that? It was I can't remember, but uh, yeah, no, great play by Nylander just to to bury it in um the overtime there. I didn't like that they had the what was it, a three-one lead and they coughed that up, but uh yeah, no, they were able to regroup. Get that's the two one thing points. that I've been saying all season long with this team here. In seasons past, when they've given up leads, the language on the bench is just defeatism. Body language is very important. Their heads are down. 
You know, the dejected looks on their face. This season, this team doesn't quit. You know, they go back to the drawing board. They figure it out. They get it done. And that is huge. That is absolutely huge this season. The thing I didn't like about the Arizona game is they just didn't look interested. It did not seem like a game they gave two fiddlers flutes. From a, from a viewer standpoint, I wasn't interested. Look, that broadcast was terrible. Like the, the color changed on the TV. Brutal, absolutely but brutal. Let's talk about Sheldon Keith here. We'll sure we'll crumple up the Arizona game and throw it away. And I know so many people are going to hate that because oh my god, the Leafs lost to Arizona. Hi guys, so did Boston. Yeah. So did Colorado. These have also lost their last four to Arizona, <laughs> but we won't talk about that. But that's okay. Everybody <laughs> has a team that's their weak yeah. spot. Yeah, Buffalo teams have our number two. I want to say this. In their new mullet arena, the Arizona Coyotes have a winning record. A winning record. Put that on the wax for everyone to hear. So it's not just the Leafs that they're waxing. They're waxing a lot of other people too. So there's that for you. But for the Sheldon Keefe thing, I'm going to make this one very clear. Sheldon Keefe did what any coach would do. And I talked to a couple coaches who coach in different ranks around here. What he did was let his players know that they will not take crap. He will eat every fine he has to eat, but he will not allow those things to happen. And the other thing was Keith watched a play happen that eliminated a goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs in game seven, go uncalled and no response from the official. Mm -hmm. Then the other thing, the high stick to Zach Aston Reese that cut him, no whistle, no nothing. Mm -hmm. The ref thought it was the other player's stick. You know what you have the ability to do this year is to call a penalty like that on high sticking and review it. Did you know that? You are allowed to call a penalty on a high stick and review if it was the other team's stick hitting the player or your own team's stick hitting the player. That is now a reviewable play. So if you have that in your damn toolbox, put your arm up, make the call, and if you get it wrong, then go ahead and take the guy out of the box. Agreed. Agreed. You have the ability now to get it right. To ignore it and not do anything about it is weak. It is weak, and I can see why Sheldon Keith blew his top. Both of those things are absolutely unacceptable and ridiculous. And then the thing with Marner, where they call a penalty, put one guy in the box for a call, take him out, change the call, and put Marner in there. How do you do that? How is what that happened right? there? What happened there, James? I completely forgot about that. So... There was a penalty called, and they put, I forget who it was in the box, but it was the wrong call and the wrong player. So I believe one called tripping when it was a slash or something to that effect. And then they pulled that player out of the box, put Marner in the box, and changed the penalty. So you didn't even know what you were calling. No. So how are you putting someone in the box, let alone the wrong guy in the box to begin with? So that was... Was that Wes McCauley? He finally had enough and was like, I'm done with you clowns. I'm going to let you have it. I wonder what he said to the refs. Like, would you think it it must have been really bad if he got fined? Or do you think that's just Gary just 
handing out a fine because of he's, he's pissed off with the Leafs travel. Well, no, they did the same thing to John Tortorella. They did the same thing to Rod Brindamore, right? When you attack official. But they say stuff to the officials all the time. Like, it must have been a little... Oh, it was off. probably way over the top, way yeah. beyond anything that you should say. But at the exact same time, you know what? When enough is enough, you say the things that get a response and get a reaction. And he probably got a reaction. But here's the other thing, too, is when things like this heat up, it gets sent to Stephen Wacom and the league's officiating committee, and they review those things, and they look at them. And the problem is, and I don't agree with this, and I think the NHL should have what the NBA and other sports have for referees. You should be allowed to talk to refs. The media should, after the game, and ask them two or three straight questions. What led you to calling this? What was this? What was that? Just to get some answers and to have some transparency. Because apparently there is there is said things behind closed doors with Stephen Walkham and the officials that we don't ever get oh, to hear. James, the, the NHL refs are the 33rd team in the NHL. They have their own group chat. These guys all talk to each other. They may – like, I think there was um, – I was listening to the Dangle podcast, and there was – they. They were legitimately like their stats to prove it. There was that they were legit not calling stuff for the Calgary Flames over the course of a year or two, based on um, I believe it was I forget who the player was, but he ran into the ref, and texts were sent out. They found his texts, and ever since then, the refs weren't making calls towards the Calgary Flames, and I'm just afraid that might happen to the Toronto Maple Leafs here. It's too obvious of a thing to happen. And how do you even say it? I think that if the that were to go the same way that it did before, because I remember the NHL had to tell the refs to ease up on Calgary after that hit and that problem, right? They really went after them, put the gears to them. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't think it gets that bad for Toronto. I do think, I do think things are heavily reviewed now, whether it be via social media through fans that can show and blow things up. Yeah. Which, when things get blown up, nobody wants to look bad. Right. So things act. It's a lot different, right? Now there's ways to circumvent the league, I guess you can say, and have something become a bigger issue without it being an issue within the NHL. People mm -hmm. can just make it one, and then the NHL has to pay attention. You know, they can't just ignore it if somebody's like, oh, and it's all of a sudden this huge thing. I don't think NHL teams would stand for it either. I think other teams were talking about the same thing with Nazem Kadri and other players, mm -hmm. you know, getting an unfair, you know, we, we talked to um, Dave Jackson, former NHL referee now works for ESPN as a rules analyst, you know, for, for NHL broadcast. We talked to him in the summer, you know, and how, you know, when players get singled out, you know, it happens, but it, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's just the optics of it. Right, yeah. And it just keeps going that way. They don't do it on purpose. And I'll even circle back to this. Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby, at the beginning of his career, whined a whole shit ton to the refs about every little thing. You know what Sid did later in his career? He went to each and every one of those refs and apologized for his behavior when he was younger. Because he now understands the ins and outs of the game. You know, so... 
The Leafs are going to get screwed by the officials. Don't, I, don't put just, that juju out there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm glad Matthews, our top guys, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, you don't ever see them whine to the refs like Crosby used to do back in the day. But, um, yeah, man, I just – seeing all these conspiracies with the refs, it just, I don't know, it irks me, especially with Tim Peel last season where he got caught saying, you know, I had to call this guy because uh, I had a call on you or something. I, like, And then he had to stop – refereeing like there are makeup calls the refs legit have makeup calls no i uh, we all know it it happens and they look for them you know and it, it sucks yep. it does suck it's game management is what it is it absolutely sucks but the leafs then go on and they play the colorado avalanche they win that game they're looking great pete i gotta ask you here let's let's spin it to a positive thing it's 2023 sure. the year just flipped to it what are five things for you that the Maple Leafs need to do wow. to have a successful run here for the rest of the season? For the rest of the season? Well, first off, the goaltending has got to be good. It's been a little shaky lately. I'm not worried about it, though. We see what they can do. We have two good goaltending, good, two good goaltenders. So the, yeah, goaltending, that's one. If Matthews, our top guys, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, if they keep going, they got to keep scoring. Two, number three, our bottom bottom six, if they can just produce a little bit, keep her, gone, keep her hot, keep her going, that would be my number three. Number four, Sheldon Keefe can't be outcoached. He's got to be on the I – love, I love seeing him getting fired up. He's got to be. He's got to be doing his thing. He can't be getting out coached here. Number five, we need. I want. I want. We need Ryan O'Reilly on this team. Let's get me Ryan O'Reilly on our second unit. And that, yes, that would be my number five there, James. All right. Well, I'll flip mine for for my five things for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's to figure out what you have in Cali Yarncroke. And if he can be the answer to the Tavares Marner situation, maybe, maybe you have the internal answer at 2.4 mil a season. Maybe you do. Maybe he's right there and you don't need to worry about it. I want to know what's there. That's my number five. My number four is to get Matthew Nye signed to this team mm. and see what he can do. See what he's able to do. See what he's able to produce. And see if he's a, a yeah, different he's speaker. So much expectation on him. Fans are gonna. There is there's gonna be no mistakes for him. The microscope is gonna be right fixed on that kid. Oh, and yeah. it sucks. It yeah. sucks. But it's Toronto. Welcome to the hockey mm -hmm. hotbed. If you want to play hockey in a market that gives a crap, this is the one. Mm -hmm. This is the one right here. This is what there's plenty of them, but this one right here will either lodge you one day or chew you up and spit you out the next. It's just mm -hmm. the way it goes. My number three is the goaltending. I want proper load management. Yeah, agreed. For Matt Murray, I want Matt Murray to be healthy. I don't care if you have to keep him out of practice. I don't care what you need to do. But whatever you're doing right now is keeping him healthier than he's been in a very long time. But I like the way they bring him on the ice in the morning. He feels a few pucks. Gets his sweat on a little bit, and then he's off the ice quickly. Same thing for Ilya Samsonov. I want to see him stay healthy. I want to see him have his confidence and swagger and smile, as, as Sheldon Keith puts it. I want to see that from both goaltenders. 
I want that going forward because I feel like if we're going on a run, we're going to need them both. Mm -hmm. Something will happen somewhere along the line and they both need to be razor sharp. My number two is I want Austin Matthews to return a little bit to the goal scoring beast that he is and start placing some more pucks in the net. I know that he's sacrificing his offensive game for his defensive game and for the betterment of the team, which by the way, may bode well when the contract thing comes around because maybe for the betterment of the team, he doesn't take a max deal who knows, but if he's starting to figure out, maybe I need to be more team than more me that might happen. And number one for this team, you touched on it a little bit, but for me, it's Sheldon Keith and Kyle Dubas not being out coached and not being out GM'd. And what do I mean for Sheldon Keith? For Sheldon Keith, you need to do the hard things. Break up Matthews and Marner in the playoffs if they're not working, or put them together if you need something. Load up a line or two. Go balls to the wall. And he's doing it. He's showing us he's doing it. Four forwards, one D. Five forwards on a power play. He's showing us that he's willing to do crazy kooky-duke things that may work. And for Kyle Dubas, your job, your job here the rest of this season is to figure out what you're doing with Jake Muzzin. Tinfoil hat, I say he comes back for the playoffs. One big last hurrah run. But the trade deadline, this trade deadline, Kyle Dubas without a contract, I'm looking at you. This is the one. This is the one, Doobie, where you step up to the plate and you show everybody your nuts are on the table, and this is what you do to make a mark on the Maple Leafs and put this team on the path for a run this year. This, I feel, this right here, this trade deadline will set Kyle Dubas up in Toronto for the future if he wants to be here or it will set him back for wherever else he goes to. Just when right. does when is Muzzin's sorry to cut you off here. When is Muzzin's evaluation? That is coming up shortly, right? February. So yeah. We're going to know soon if he is going to be out for the rest of the season or if he's coming back, correct? I don't know if that's the truth. I don't know if that's the truth because if you look at it like Nikita Kucherov, you know, when he was hurt but didn't come back but was skating with the team at full practices mm-hmm. but just couldn't return to game action. So what are they going to say? Well, no, they, they just won't rule him out. They won't rule him out. I think no. they'll just say that he needs further evaluation. Okay. Or, okay. you know – or, you know what, I'm completely wrong. They have a big press conference and they say he's done. Done for his career. But what I'm thinking is going to happen is, I think, I think honestly, the Toronto Maple Leafs announced in February that things are progressing for Jake Muzzin. He's feeling good. He's still around the team, but he's unable to resume skating or he's unable to play or whatever. I think that's going to be the, it's going to be a word salad, of, word salad of, we don't know. It's just going to be that. And then one way or the other come towards the playoffs because there's no salary cap in the playoffs. Yeah. We're going to find we, out. We're aware of that, James. <laughs> we're all aware of that. Some, some people aren't some, you'll be surprised. Some people aren't. Some people 
I can't believe Tampa Bay was twenty million dollars over the cap. I How think that's where it really blew up. Like, yeah, that playoff where Tampa Bay was well over the cap, but and now it's like teams are exploiting it now. I think if you're going to get Jake Muzzin back, you will see him on the ice with the Leafs, and there's so much media in Toronto. There's no hiding him if he's on the ice skating. So then you have him on the ice. He's doing whatever. People are going to see that. And does he get tuned up and get himself ready? Like I told you guys, if he's going in, he's going to be going into full practices, taking licks, taking bumps, and telling guys to put a hit on him to see how he feels. He's going to be going in the corner, too many grinding. We'll see what happens with Jake Muzzin. But in my heart of hearts, Pete, I think he's coming back for a run. I do. I think Big Bad Muzz will be a bottom six guy and a penalty killer for the Maple Leafs come playoff time. And when it happens, just like David Camp starting the opening face-off in overtime, you can look at me and say, James, you were right. The Leafs did what you said they were going to do. <laughs> and then you can look at, after the end of the season, you can look at me and tell me that I'm right, that the Leafs don't sign Michael Bunting, right? Listen. Michael Bunting will be drawn to Maple Leafs. <laughs> His dollar keeps going up right now. It's fine. The Leafs will find – if the Leafs want a player to stay, they will find a way to make him stay. And I, hope, I really hope he stays, James. Like, I, I hate to be a pessimistic Pete, but, like, my my pes- my pes this team has grown my pessimism, so I'm always thinking the worst possible outcome. No, I fully agree with you. I fully agree with you. We have Clark over here. Uh, by the way, Clark Monroe, you should just goddamn well join the show on Wednesdays and be a full-time member. Just putting that out here. Um, one of the most brilliant uh, young hockey minds around. Uh, yourself included, Pete and Dylan as well. Uh, I didn't get to say much of this coming into the show, but Pete, you joined the show late last year, and it's been great so far. We've been rocking, rolling, having a good time. Offside 2023, guys, is going to be amazing. Uh, we got some great people coming up from the Kingston Frontenacs, the Milton Menace owners coming on, Jason Trifon. We got Cam Jansen and many more swinging in by the show. But we're going to be talking about the Maple Leafs, and we're going on a run this year, folks. So we will be one of the only hockey shows talking because the Leafs will be in the Stanley Cup final. That's my that's my talk. So say what you want. But it's Leafs in 23. 2-3, Two, baby. What do you say, Pete? What do I say? The Leafs go into the finals Let's this year? Pardon me? Let's do it. Leafs win the cup in four. Leafs in four, baby. I'm, I got I to gotta plan for the playoffs. If we're going to do a meetup in the playoffs, I, I might have to make some T-shirts for that. <laughs> we're going to make something happen. We also might be hanging out for a playoff game at Monaghan's over in Oakville. Mm. So we'll be talking some hockey there for the playoffs. That'll be fun. But we shall see. Ladies and gentlemen, this right here is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Toronto Maple Leafs and hockey comes to talk. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.